Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Fresh off a beautiful holiday, holiday weekend, and more. Luka Doncic highlighting the Tuesday night slight with a great performance against the Golden State Warriors. 41-12-12. Doing it all for the Mavs as he has all season long. He did get some help. Tim Hardaway Jr. looked good. Thought Josh Green had some big plays. But one hell of a game. And in, in a contest where the officials were really, really keying in on travels. And you'll see that at the end of the game when Steph Curry tried a patented step back to try and put his team in front. <whistles> Got whistled for the walk. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about some of our season surprises, season Things that we don't think went right, things that we th- think that uh, went wrong, whatever, all that good stuff, because we're at the quarter mark of the 2022-23 campaign. Whew. Boston's really separated themselves this season. Milwaukee, I don't think, is getting enough attention. Suns look great. Everything else, though. We're scrunched the hell up. I wonder who could have predicted that. Oh, it was me. That's Spencer Davies. He's Brian Fritz. This is another episode of Keeping It 94 podcast, courtesy of the basketballnews.com podcast network. Brian, and I'm saying, man, this is a scrunched up standings. And it feels like it's Groundhog Day every time we open this pod because we just talk about how just tight and how much parity there is in the league right now. And it's it's hard to argue against when you look at how many teams have... 10 to 14 wins is like 20. <laughs> and that's kind of the way that we thought going into the season. And that's why it was kind of hard to predict. You know, we, we sat there and we thought, okay, we, we believe we know what teams are probably going to be really good. They could be title contenders. There's always going to be a surprise or two in the mix, at least for the regular season. But it was tough to kind of figure out, you know, who's actually going to make it into the playoffs or what, what the seedings are going to be. And I know we're only a quarter way through the season, but we thought there was going to be a lot of parity this year. Cause it looked like there's a lot of good teams and there wasn't going to be that many teams that were going to be on the losing end that we thought that would at least, you know, have a try at the beginning of the season, even though there's a big prize, you know, at the end waiting for the team that does the worst. But that's where we are right now is we are in the midst of parity and it feels like, on any given night, 
Uh, anybody can beat anybody, minus just a, a few exceptions right now. Unless you play the Pistons. Unless you play the Pistons like Cade Cunningham or... Yeah, that, that team, I'll, I'll tell you, that, man, Brian, uh, I, it just looked lifeless. I watched that game with the Knicks yesterday. Julius Randle had 19 in the first quarter. He ended up with 36, 7, and 5. And, you know, the Knicks, they've been kind of up and down this season, but they're right in the middle, like what we were just talking about. One of those 500 teams at the moment, pretty much. But the Pistons, they just look listless, man. Um, You know, when the spirit is sucked out of your team and Cade Cunningham's not playing and your top five draft pick, Jaden Ivey's barely playing because he's been dealing with injuries, it's just hard for that team to get up right now. And uh, it's going south very, very fast. Who knows if Cunningham's even going to come back this year? Uh, I'm tending to think that, no. That'll be the first one I was wrong wrong about, I'll say. But, uh, you know, the the Kate injury really just took the wind out of the sails there. And uh, we'll see how much longer Dwayne Casey has there. Who knows? Uh, but it would not surprise me in the least if they decided to go a different direction at some point just to try and up the morale of this ball club. Right. And you can't predict injuries, obviously, but it sure feels like they're going to play it safe when it comes to Cade. And I doubt we see him the rest of the season. I mean, there's there's no point to bring him back or rush him back if it's not going to be until, say, you know, after the All-Star, way after the All-Star game, even like March or April. There's no point. At that point, you might as well just say the season is over. Um, the interesting thing is going to be, you know, and we thought this even if they were playing a little bit better, what parts they might move here before the trade deadline. And um, and that's something we'll be looking at because they do have some pieces on that team that I think teams will be interested in. And there might be even one or two that we didn't know if we're going to be available that might be available now because there has been some talk that Sadiq Bay has fallen out of favor with the coaching staff, a coaching staff that might not be there for too much longer, but um, we wouldn't have thought that he could have been moved. But I mean, Detroit could um, really do a fire sale there if they want. Right. And Boyan Bogdanovich is another one of those guys. That's the obvious target because he's someone that has a lot more experience on that team. Who's also been a part of postseason rosters and has really made a big difference as a shooter and a, and a, a floor spreader. So, I think you know that that is absolutely going to happen. I don't think there's any two ways about it. Um, that one of those two at least will be will be definitely on the way out um, at some point. Um, I hate getting into trade talk this early, but there are, have been a few rumors here and there. Alec Burks uh, is somebody sense. that I think a lot of oh, teams yeah. have really Bur- looked at. Alec Burks, you can bring him in as an eighth, ninth man, even a tenth man if you want to, and just get somebody who can flat out score the damn basketball. Uh, that's definitely Alec Burks. You just got to make sure he stays healthy. That's that's the biggest thing with, with Alec. Right. It's um, play him see. 20 to 25 minutes a night. He's shooting over 40% from three-point range. Mm-hmm. And he's shooting a pretty good number of them as well. So he's having a really good season. But like you said, it's about the health thing. You know, Bogdanovich has missed a couple of games here, but, you know, we know how good he is. And now he's got that two-year extension. So when you get him, you don't have to worry about, you know, him leaving after the season. Burke's a little bit different. You know, he's going to be a free agent. Um, Nerlens Noel is on that team as well, who's not been playing much this year, but sure. he's a reliable guy that's, you know, on an expiring contract as well. Backup center, reserve center that can block shots and get your rebounds. I mean, pretty simple. 
But yeah, didn't think that we'd be kicking off this podcast talking about the Pistons, but I just had to make a note because I, I watched that game the other night and I was just like, oh man, guys. <laughs> this well, is- you know, when we talk about like, you know, teams you feel like you got a really good chance about getting a win against, the one that surprised me the most lately is the Orlando Magic. And that's because the Magic have a lot of talent, as we talked about. And you know that we know that Paolo Bencaro has you know, he missed some games. But even with him out there, they have trouble closing. And it's a little bit surprising. We'll see if that's something that as the season goes on, maybe they correct a little bit and you know, there's more chemistry between everybody and Bencaro's, you know, you know, got more reps and everything like that. But I've been surprised because they've been in so many different games, but yet, you know, they've only got five wins this season. You know, they've got, you know, that's the fewest number of wins in the NBA. There's three teams that are that have that along with the Pistons and the Rockets. They've lost five in a row. So they're a team you're starting to look at now going, yeah, they'll give you a little bit of a fight, but in the end, they don't win. Yeah. No, and that doesn't help. And the the thing is, too, that they they are they have such a bright future. And they the beginning of the season, they were a tough customer to come by. I mean, Brooklyn's been on a little bit of a nice streak here or a little bit of, of a better playing field as of late, and they gave them a, a pretty good fight, you know. Uh, they gave Philly a, a good run for their money uh, last weekend. Uh, the first of the two games, not the second of the two games. The second of the two games went very, very awry quickly. But I, I think they just have to get guys healthy, as stupid as that's, that may sound, because uh, you know Cole Anthony is, is, is absolutely a heart and soul type player of that team who's been out for a little while. Franz Wagner has been the Iron Man and is playing really well. Bowl Bowl, what a what a story he's been this season. Um, they've got a lot of bright spots to look for. I mean, RJ Hampton's been getting minutes lately and is looking solid. It, it's just it's too much in and out. And at the same time, like you said, they have to get that experience down the stretch and how to close and how to hold leads or whatever you may have it. You know, like at least Gary Harris might be someone that can help teach him that, right? Because yeah. he just came back a couple of weeks ago. They're getting Markel Fultz back here uh, on Wednesday night. One of their, I make this joke all the time, one of their eight guards on the roster. You know, like, um, that's another team that you could also probably look at uh, trade-wise. But b- beside the point, uh, yeah, they just have to figure out how to get the job done down the stretch. And this is a typical part of the process for these building teams. You know, maybe we'll have a little bit higher expectations than we should ahead of the season, but then they grow over the year. And that's just how it rolls. I like I, I would rather be in a position like Orlando than I would for, say, you know, a Charlotte who has a bunch of veterans on their team and only has one win more. You know, like that's a whole better spot to be in uh, than some of these these like teams that are kind of wallowing, if if that makes sense. Right. And and you want to talk about and we're not going to get into a lot of trade talk here, but teams that that could be on the verge of a fire sale even though they don't like to do it we're close we're close we are december 15th the uh the open right december 15th for some it's january 15th but for most it's it's going to be december 15th and that's when you're going to start taking a real hard look at teams that are going to be making deals i i do think that there's going to be some teams that make them a little bit earlier like right after december 15th just because I, i think teams are looking at this a little bit more like if we're getting reinforcements we need to do something now you know, for this season or whatever move we're going to do. If we want to get off somebody, if we're going in the other direction, let's just get off of them now. Maybe we can get a little bit more rather than 
them waiting to the deadline. But you know, on that on that same note, when it comes to you know some teams that that are not doing as well as maybe we thought, you know, there are teams at the beginning of the season that I think everybody thought were going to be bad, and they're still playing really, really well. I mean, maybe not as good as they were, but like like the Jazz are the ones that stand out. Now, mind you, they've lost five in a row, but they're 12 and 11. They're a team to really keep an eye on, but they've been good for the most part. They still put up a heck of a fight every night. The Sacramento Kings are a team that, while they've lost three in a row, everybody's been talking about them because it seems like they finally have a real roster that's going places, you know, and then doing something right. And then the other one's the Indiana Pacers, who are 12 and eight and everybody thought they were going to make some like big deal this off season. And they were going to be like either the worst or second worst team in the league. And instead they're in the four seed in the East. Yeah. Yeah. And they just downed the the Lakers with an incredible comeback in the fourth too. And it's, you know, Halliburton has been the catalyst. This guy's averaging 11 assists a game, man. Like, his there's some it's some sort of an incredible stretch where he's had 40 assists and zero turnovers over the last 10 games or, or maybe more less than that i don't know what like it is like five games five games yeah sorry uh but like yeah zero turnovers to 40 assists is just incredible um the way that he's been able to kind of be the catalyst of that offense uh the pull up threes is just ridiculous um and the timeliness of those those shots and the way that he's able to just kind of dissect a defense is, is incredible. And, you know, he's got guys by his side. Miles Turner, before the last couple of games, had been on fire, you know, like he and, and you know, overall his numbers are still great, you know, 18 and 8 a game. And he's, he's knocking down damn near 40% of his triples. But, you know, you're looking at a guy like Benedict Matherin who comes off the bench and gives them a spark. He's averaging almost 20 game right now, which is nuts for a rookie. And the, the amount, of of shots that he's taking and the the uh the smarts of the shots that he's taking too. You know, sometimes rookies can come in and start chucking. He's getting his shots off the ball. He's also getting his shots, you know, with with his catch shoots, whatever it may be, but he is absolutely being a scoring machine and uh somebody that they obviously see as a part of their future. That's why, you know, you again bring up the trade talks. You look at Heald, you look at Turner, and all those names that have been so prevalent across the uh, rumor mill, and you start to wonder, uh, you know, are both of them necessarily gone? Does Turner want to stick, keep playing with Halliburton because they've established such a good connection with one another? I think we have to talk about Jalen Smith, too, because he's had uh, a little bit of an underrated stretch here over the last few games. And they got him for nothing. They did. They did. Shout out to my guy Aaron Neesmith. Starting to get some playing time as well with Duarte on the shelf. He's averaging almost 22 minutes a game and, and really earning the trust of of this coaching staff. He started five games in a row. But look at Andrew Nemhart, who hit the game winner against LA the yeah. other night, and he started to get a little bit more playing time. But I mean, this team is basically what the Warriors were a few years ago. Like they've taken what the Warriors have done and almost elevated it from a standpoint of how many threes they shoot per game. Like, you know, the, I mean, this is a team that on average takes just over 90 shots a game. Yeah. How, how many of those do you think are from three point range? Uh, okay. So 90, let's say 40. 
Uh, 41 would be the magic number. Okay, so you're not right bad, there. Spinny. So, not I mean, bad. they're shooting basically, what is it, like 43, 44% of their shots are from three-point range. Yeah, that and is they've crazy. got the guys to knock but, them down. But they've got the guys to do it. That's the modern NBA right there. The only thing they don't really have to go with it necessarily are the wing defenders. But they've got a lot of young, interchangeable guys that just go out there and just shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot. And these are guys that that make shots. I mean, you, they're shooting 36% from three-point range, which doesn't sound overly impressive, but it's still good. Good. I mean, it's above league average, or it's at least right there. So, and and this is with like Buddy Heel went through a little bit of a down stretch, and normally, you know, he's been one of the best three point shooters in the league this year. You know, Halliburton and Matherin are just killing it from there, um, and even Turner. When you get like you said, you know, he's hitting some threes. So, I mean, this is a team that's built for that, and they're incredibly young. I mean, we talk about Halliburton and Matherin. I mean, neither of those guys are. Are either of them even 20 yet or 21? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. I mean, Halliburton might be 21. I got to look it up right now. He's 22. Halliburton's 22. Matherin is 20. Right. So, I mean, that's unbelievable to look at this backward. And remember, Matherin comes off the bench right now mm-hmm. because Buddy is starting. And um, and by the way, Buddy Heald's 29. So, it's not like he's some old man. Um, you know, He's actually been around the league for a little while, but... What that team does, they are fun to watch. I mean, to watch this team just shoot the way that they do, and there is no conscious with them. I mean, they are like they have got the green light, and they are going for it. Green light. And by the way, Halliburton, people aren't watching him play. I mean, twenty points and eleven assists a night. He doesn't turn the ball over. He is a machine out there. I mean, he plays. I mean, when it comes to at least the numbers, his numbers are like. Chris Paul in his prime. He's one of those rare cases where the advanced numbers also match the eye test, which also match the box score numbers. He's got the trifecta going on, and he's just so intelligent. He he's not only you know intelligent with what he's when he has the ball, but he he knows what to do and where to do it. Yep, when to do it. That that's what it is. He knows what to do when to do it. He knows his teammates. He knows their sweet spots. He knows when to push the pace. He knows when to pull it back. He knows when he should take his own shot. He knows when to set somebody up. He has got an unbelievable feel for the game. And he's got it all under control right now. And this is a guy that's only in his third year. Third year. Yeah. It's it's unreal. And I, and I really do wonder when it comes to the Pacers now, 12 and 8, fourth in the East, that this is an ownership group that has never tanked. They don't believe in tanking. Even before the season, when it looked like they were, I mean, they were like a half step away from making that deal with the Lakers to send them Turner and Heel. I mean, literally, the Lakers canceled a press conference with their GM and coach and pushed it to the same day that uh, the players are reporting for the media day. They were going to do it like on a Thursday or a Friday, and they canceled it. And the reason was is because they were so close to getting a deal done with the Pacers. But in the end, L.A. didn't agree to the deal because they didn't want to give up both of their first-round picks. And I was even surprised in, that it came that close from the standpoint that Indiana just does not like the tank. They're an ownership group that believes we should always be going for it. We should always be um, trying to win for our fans. We don't believe in that kind of style. 
And so far it's paid off and it's going to be curious to see what they do going forward now because, you know, Turner's in the final year of his deal. Do they want to pay him or will they even write it out? Or do they feel like if we've got to move somebody because we don't want to pay him, uh, we will move him, you know, at the trade deadline. But do they really want to move healed? I know he's got another year left on his deal for like 20 million. So it's a good chunk. And they've got other players like they put Matherin right in the starting lineup. Do they want to pivot to that right now? Or do they want to say, let's keep everybody right now? Who knows what could happen for the season? And maybe we just, you know, keep Miles and, and keep adding to this team. I, I might lean towards keeping Miles and moving healed. I think that is a, a path to success. I also think, you know, Miles, he's still only 26. You know, like he right. is, he's still a part of a young core. Like not everyone has to be 20 to 22 years old in a young core. Like I'm also looking at, at the, the roster and thinking who the hell is going to be their center. That's, <laughs> you know, like, that's the problem. I mean, yeah. I don't think Goga's ready um, to take on that kind of minutes, but, 100%. but you know, when you look at, I mean, you remember this is a team that um, tried to get DeAndre Aiden in the off season, like really mm-hmm. bad. You know, so they were ready to make that move when it came to a change at center. But, I mean, look at how well they're playing right now. And when it comes to Turner, I mean, there are nights where he puts up big numbers. There are other nights where he's rather average. Yeah. Um, like the other so night. happens with, with a shooting big. You right. Know? I mean. He's always going to bring it on the defensive end, though he did get eaten for breakfast by Ivica Zubats. That's what I was going to bring up. Zubats heard about those trade rumors because that's one of those trade rumors that got out there. Like, oh, well, the Clippers you know, are interested in Miles Turner. They could use another big. Zubats goes out there and eviscerates him for 31 and 29. Yeah. I mean, eviscerates him, which is... I had to I had to put windshield wipers on my glasses when I saw that. I was like, holy hell. I was seeing it as it was happening. Um, 14 to 17 from the field, too? Oh, yeah. Everything inside? Yeah. It, yeah. Was, it was unbelievable to watch him just chew him up. And then... You know, the next night playing against the Lakers, Turner didn't look anything special, but he did kind of turn it on a little bit late. He had a big three late in that game and whatnot. So it's just kind of kind of comes and goes. He's a he's a good player. He's not an all star, but he's he's a he's a good player. He's a starting center in the NBA. He absolutely is, especially in the modern NBA, because he can go in and out. It's just he's never going to rebound. Well, He, he never has. He's a little bit more this year. Probably is at eight and a half. But. I mean, he's a good player. I think he's a winning player. Yeah. No, I, I had to agree with you. Speaking of those Clippers, by the way, man, what a job Ty's doing with them. I mean, half of their rosters just—he does it every year. He does it every year. Okay, Kawhi Leonard still without a timetable to come back. You know, John Wall's out for injury management. Paul George is hurt. I mean, when you look at their roster, I mean, Reggie Jackson takes a huge fall last night. He finished the game, but oh, that was scary as hell. Luke Kennard out i mean like all these guys are out and yet this team keeps fighting they're 13 and 9 and in the middle of the the damn pack they still i told you at the beginning like to not worry about them regardless of their thing because this is what ty does ty ty's had to deal with this his entire career even in cleveland in some spurts when when guys would be out he's always good at getting the best out of his his guys and i i feel like you know, it's high time that we recognize that. Norm Powell is a sixth man of the year candidate at the moment. He went absolutely bonkers in the fourth quarter last night in Portland against his old team. 
I think it was like 21 points in the, the third. He ended up with, what was it, 31? 32. He finished yeah, with 32. Exactly. Crazy, man. Absolutely crazy. Terrence Mann, after having a little bit of a a gaff at the, the beginning of the season, not knowing what his role is, like he's really had a great, great month in November. Um, bounced back really nicely, and hopefully he can continue to do that when Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are healthy. Again, we don't really know when that's going to be. But uh, he just has this this group, uh, uh, this mixed group of old guys and and young cats playing well together. And um, it's really fun to watch that dynamic happen without the two best players on the team playing. And I really wondered, it was getting to a point because of the injuries and because guys were wondering about the roles because they are so deep. You can almost be too deep where, you know, there's going to be certain guys that are going to be like, well, I should be getting this kind of playing time. And they're not um, just because there are so many different, you know, talented guys on that team that, that do deserve playing time. And, you know, they're, they're right there in the middle of the pack. Like you said, maybe even a little bit better. I mean, they're 13 and nine right now. Uh, I think the problem for them is it's just health. It's, you know, Paul George is, you know, going through something small right now, or we'll, we'll see. It's kind of, okay, what, what's going on with him on a night-to-night basis? Kawhi mm-hmm. is the one that I think you really got to be worried about because this has been going on for a year and a half now. We don't know when he's going to come back and stay back and be able to really turn it on. I don't know what that process is like. And until then, you know, they can sit here and they can be a good team, you know, in the regular season. I don't feel like they're going to do anything in the playoffs unless they get Kawhi back and he's got to be, you know, not as good as he once was in his prime, but we've got to see some glimpses of that at least. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I feel like this pie can definitely be like a stray thoughts section. So I'm going to continue along on that. Please do. I, I am really, really happy with how Christoph Sprzingis is playing right now. Uh, that that was one thing that I also wanted to touch upon with the Wizards because they've they've been a really really solid um, defensive team especially as of late. But KP is playing out of his mind this year. Uh, like reference back to like New York KP type of type of game right now. And I think we forget that, that he's only twenty seven. Um, he is absolutely a, a a number two or a number three option. Um, on a team, and I think a dynamic between him and Bradley Beal can work, and I think we're seeing it work. I think um, he's really got his confidence with his outside shot going right now. Uh, I, I think on the inside, he's been able to kind of use his body um, in, in better ways than we've seen in the last few years, and uh, there's just a really good partnership between him and Beal, but also him and Monte Morris, who I don't think gets enough credit. Somebody I talked to at the beginning of the season, um, their starting point guard. I, I, I mean, we we got to talk about Kuz and the, the season that he's having. He's obviously got to be a trade target for some teams, but at the same time, you know, the Wizards are right there, like just like all these other teams that have 10, 11, 12 wins. I wanted so, to mention him because, yeah. you know, he, they're 11 and 10. Once again, you know, they're right there playing, you know, uh, range, you know, the seven seed and they're playing well, like you said, but 
Kyle Kuzma has been in trade rumors. You know, there was already a report from Shams that said that like Phoenix was interested in him. He's in the final year of his deal. And, you know, he's, he's getting, or actually I think he has a player option. He's opting out because he's making $13 million a year and he is going to get a lot more than that on the open market. So the question is, does Washington want to give him the extension or are they going to be open to moving him? But they're playing well. They're playing pretty good defensively and he's a key part of that you know handling you know wing defense and I think he meshes well you know with uh, Porzingis right now so it'll be interesting to see what they want to do another stray thought and then I'll let you to get to your stray thoughts uh the Pelicans they're really really good and no one's taking notice because half the time one of their key pieces or two of their key pieces are out uh Zion is surprisingly not that that one here as of late, it's been Brandon Ingram and um, CJ McCollum uh, who have been sidelined a little bit. But when both of Zion and Brandon Ingram play, they are seven and three. Okay. So keep that in mind. But I, I think that this team has really, really high potential uh, because of their death, because of their length, because of their overall athleticism. And uh, the versatility of their roster that I don't think gets enough love. Uh, they squeaked one out against the Thunder the other night. Uh, but I, I feel like this team has a lot of lot of good vibes about it. And Zion, I mean, I, I can say he looks healthy and obviously, you know, somebody that needs to yet play more than 60 games in a season. But he does. He looks really good. Um, he looks spry and he's playing like Zion. They are a little bit of, uh, playing better defense of really making a statement in the West. And they're not that bad. They're not as bad as people think, but that's where they need to tighten up a little bit. I mean, defensive efficiency right now, they are fifth in the league. It still feels like maybe that's a little misleading. Maybe maybe I'm totally off, but it, that's always been the concern about them is they're going to be able to light it up. How good are they going to be defensively? And I still feel like that's maybe where they can make a little bit of a stride as well. But, I mean, right now they're 12-8. and eight. They're good, and they haven't even been healthy. CJ hasn't even shot the ball well this season, and they're Point still – you know, your point CJ, you know, and I'm curious to see, you know, if this team can get healthier, what they're going to do and what move they might make, because I mean, everything is wide open. I feel like right now in the East, like we know what the top two or three teams are going to be, you know, we I would feel say like, top two. I, I don't even know about right. <laughs> maybe just one. But top, I, I don't top two. Definitely. Okay. I'll say top two in the West though. I don't know, man. It feels like it could change six times over the next four weeks. How does that affect, do you think, how teams and, and executives and GMs are going to operate at this, this trade juncture, though? I think they're going to be aggressive. How does that change it? Because, you know, the Wolves, who, by the way, just lost Carl Anthony Towns for four to six weeks, um, really, really glad that wasn't an Achilles pop. 
Um, I think it was a calf sprain or calf strain. Strained right calf. Yeah. Um, Non-contact looked like it could be really bad, but um, he'll be out for a month, month and a half um, at most. So um, good to hear that for Cat. But those Timberwolves, they're 10 and 11, but they're four and a half games out of first place behind the Suns. And they're in the 11th spot. That's pretty insane. That was the team when you talk about straight thoughts that I was going to bring up next because they're going to be without Cat, you know, for four to six weeks. And this team, I still can't figure them out. I don't think anybody can, considering the way that they're constructed. And that was going to be the big question mark going into this season with Cat and with Gobert. So now they're going to be without Cat for, you know, this extended period of time. Let's see what they do because they're going to be a little bit more traditional now because they don't have the two bigs and, you know, Towns was having to go out on the perimeter and do a lot of chasing and it wasn't really working. That's so, a lot of, that's a lot of spacing uh, gone though on the offensive end. It is, it is, but uh, let's see what happens now because uh, do they give a little bit more uh, offense to Rudy? And I, but the big thing to me is, how does Anthony Edwards respond to this? Because obviously he has to pick up some of the scoring load that's going to be missed with Cat gone. I mean, that's 21 points a night gone. So what does he do? Because that's what superstars are supposed to do in this league. When somebody else is gone, you pick up the load. So what does he do? It's a good question. And, you know, I wonder if, you know, Chris Finch is going to look to Jaden McDaniels. I wonder if he's going to look to Kyle Anderson because that was a big pickup for them in the offseason. And somebody who has proven to be able to be a starter in this league. Um, he was a big part of those Memphis teams um, in the last few years. And uh, somebody who can spread the floor. He can obviously play make. Um, second side guy. I feel like Kyle Anderson can be just fine in that four role. And, and I think that should be the way they go. And uh, unlike past years, I feel like they're not going to suffer too much. Maybe this actually is something that helps unlock that what you like you said, the offensive uh, side of of Rudy Gobert. Uh, maybe this allows D'Angelo Russell to get into a rhythm. Um he's been, you know, picking it up a little bit here as of late, but um he's got to be able to be more aggressive and um smart with, with the shots that he takes. Uh but yeah, it's gonna take a full on effort. I think I think their defense actually might might improve a little bit. I think so too. Uh, so we'll we'll see how this goes, but it's an interesting case study because you're going to have a month sample at least at the minimum. Go back to what you were saying, like how does this parity with everything that's going on right now? How does this affect what front offices are thinking when it comes to are we going to make a deal? How aggressive are we going to be in making a deal? When do we want to make a deal? I tend to think that they're going to want to do it a little bit earlier. The question is going to be, what is the price? Because the price is askew right now. And you can blame the Minnesota Timberwolves. Okay? <laughs> Flat out. Blame the Timberwolves for what they did this offseason. It's it's all their fault. Okay? Yeah, Bogey's going to fetch you a first-round pick these days. Yeah. Well, we all thought that, you know, Bogey was going to fetch a first-rounder for the Jazz, and instead... There was no picks involved in that deal. So oh, is he now suddenly going to get a first? I don't know. But go back to Washington. Okay. We just mentioned Kyle Kuzma having a really good year. 
He's a very good wing defender as well. How old is Kyle? What is he, like 27, 28? Got to be somewhere. He's, he's right there, okay? So, I mean, he's basically in his prime, okay? He could shoot the ball a little bit better this year. He's, you know, his what's his three-point shooting? Uh, uh, 31%, okay? But, I mean, that, that can improve if he gets some open looks. He's 27, by the way. He just turned 27. So, but this guy is putting up 20 points a night, eight rebounds, three and a half assists, defends, you know, anybody that's between, you know, 6'3 and, you know, 6'11 on the other team. Okay, are you going to risk going to free agency with him? Are you going to try to extend him now and give him a fair deal? Or are you going to say, we're going to move on from him, even though we're right there again. I mean, we're you're just over 500. I know you're the seven seed, but what is Washington going to do? And what could they get for him? I don't know. Because normally you would sit there and go, good player, not an all-star. What's he going to fetch? I mean, can I get a good young solid role player for him? Could I get like a pair of seconds in an expiring deal? Or is Kyle Kuzma somebody that gets a first round pick? Or is he somebody that gets more than a first round pick? I I don't totally understand it. Because if you're sitting there, if you're Phoenix, I'm like, Are, is Phoenix really going to give up a first round pick for him? Maybe they would. Maybe they will. But I, I don't know what the asking price is for some of these players now. Yeah, what's Jay Crowder going to get Phoenix? You know, and, and that that's also a really good question, I think, too, because of, you know, contract and value and whatnot. He's what been what would you do if you're Washington, though? Would you trade him? And what do you think you Coos? could get for him? Yeah. Oh, man. Coos? I, no. I guess it <laughs> comes right down now. to, do you have a good sense that he wants to resign? That's probably right. what do, it comes down to. Yeah. Does Is he having a good time in D.C.? Yes. I think that's the first question. Is he a part of the culture? And I think, yeah. I, I would think so. And he he sure have, does spend a lot of time talking about his old team, though. He does. Um, you know, I think the more winning players you have around Bradley Beal, the happier he is. I think that's, uh, you know, he's got a bunch of 26, 27-year-olds around him. Brad's the elder statesman. He's 29. This is a team that seems like it has a lot of good vibes around it at the moment. But is that enough to really be a contender? Do you feel like you're one or two pieces away from hitting that next step? Beal, Kuz, and Porzingis, you probably would have to add more. But it just, you know, I guess. Yeah, that's a good question. What, what would teams give up? What, what do you think is reasonable what they could get for him? For Kuz? Yeah. Like I said, I don't I it's got to be a first rounder now. I would think it's so. It's got to be a first first rounder and probably a a player. I would think. I mean, so Kuz is making thirteen milli. Could be a one for one, or you know, a pick. And I don't know what the trade exception situation is for other teams, but maybe it's just an expiring plus a first. If as long as it's a pretty good first, sure. Interesting, interesting ask though. It is, you know, okay. So let me do this right now. I'll talk about quote unquote, my team. We'll talk about the Lakers. (laughs) My team. Because we are now hitting that area. Like we said, when trades are going to start happening, or at least we talked about a lot more. 
And this is something LA said, let's, let's get through Thanksgiving. Let's get to December 15th. And then we'll see about the deal. And there's already some rumbling now in that front office says, Oh, well, maybe, maybe, maybe we'll get through the holidays first, which means basically January 15th because most teams do not make trades from Christmas until like a couple of days after new year's. Right. So all this talk about like Buddy Heald and Miles Turner, that, that one's been, you know, stuffed in our throats so much we're choking on it. And we've already gone through, like, would the Pacers really want to do that at this point? Do they want to trade both those guys? What's the asking price at this point? They're, they're a good team. You would think that the asking price of those guys, especially from the Lakers, would go up more because you're talking about a team that's desperate. And you're having a good season when it comes to the Pacers. So maybe the asking price is different for another team. But when you talk about guys that LA could be targeting, because everybody's like, oh, they're going to trade Russ. So you got to you know, come close to matching that salary unless, unless you're the Pacers or the Spurs, basically, because they're the only two teams that really have a lot of cap space. But they've got a couple of other expiring deals, you know, when it comes to Patrick Beverly and Kendrick Nunn. Um, and at that point, by the way, uh, after December 15th, Lonnie Walker as well is making $6 million, but he's having a good season. He's having a really nice season. He is. I'm, th- I'm thinking about talking to him next week. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I. the thing is, LA only signed him to a one-year deal. So, I mean, if they want to re-sign him and give him more money, basically, they're going to have to use their trade ex- or their, their, their mid-level exception next year. And ironically, him. he's been one of their best shooters. Absolutely. He, they did a career-high 36 threes right, th- uh, threes right now. So, I mean, everybody 36%. talks about, like, well, what's LA going to do in the office? You know, they've got to. Maybe they just write it out and they, they preserve all this cap space. I'm like, who is this magical free agent that's going to save the Lakers in the offseason? There's not that many, you know, free agents that are, I mean, there's definitely not really a marquee one. There's some really good role players, but even then they're only going to have like $30 million. And with the way that salaries are going up, what's that going to get you? Two players, maybe, if you can get them. So, and you still have to strip your roster you know, to get them. So this whole mythical save the cap space to save the team going forward, that's a load. That's, that's garbage to me. I'm like, you want to do something, you do it now to get contracts, you know, whether it helps you this year or not, because you need tradable contracts that are not too long-term, but still have, you know, a couple of years left, you know, whether it's a two-year deal, a three-year deal, whatever. I, I think it's ridiculous, but getting back to my whole point here, they've got other assets on that team or, other tradable, you know, pieces. I wouldn't necessarily say they're assets, but they've got other tradable parts on that team that I think we've got to be looking at that are not named Russell Westbrook. And Kyle Kuzma is somebody that could really help that team. Like that would be to me a prime target. Do I mean, do the Lakers need another big? Yeah, they probably do. But at the same time, if you can't get that, they need wing defense and shooters. That sounds a lot like Kyle Kuzma to me. It does. And it's somebody that knows the team and knows the organization and knows the people that are in it. Absolutely. So instead of saying, I'm going to package my two first round you know, picks I have available, I, I try to be talking to Washington, a team that you have history with in making deals and saying, hey, if Kuz isn't going to resign there, I mean... Would that be the first time in NBA history that the same package of players got? Like, what if you got KCP back to them? You know, I know oh, KCP's not on the yeah, the right, Wizards, right. But well, like, I don't think. Well, I don't think the deal would be Russ. I think the deal would be like. I know this is going to sound funny, 
Okay. Let me preface it first. It would include one of their first round picks. Okay. Let's just get start there. But the match salary, it would be Patrick Beverly. Interesting. Here's what I would do too. And, and nobody, I don't know how attractive this piece is, but the Lakers just drafted Max Christie in the first round. I don't know what the thoughts are about him around the league. He's got a little bit of playing time. He's a young guy, plays solid defense. I think he's shot a little bit better than people thought, but he's not getting much run lately. He w- he did miss like a week because of COVID. Um, but is that a sweetener? I don't think LA is like, we got to keep Max Christie. So if you sit there and go, we'll give you, you know, a first round pick and Max Christie and Patrick Beverly. I mean, do you have to give up a first round pick at that point? Is it two seconds? I, I don't know. It probably would still be a first because you're dealing with a team that's desperate right now. But that's a guy that if, if Kuzma is, you know, possibly going to be traded, I mean, to me, the Lakers look like a prime candidate that they should be trying to get him. You know, like I said, I know we've heard up and down, left and right, all over the place about Buddy Hill, Miles Turner. You got to give up two firsts, and maybe it's going to be more than that right now. But damn, man, I I might be looking someplace else. There you go. I'm not sure where you should look. I don't I know. know. There's, there's no easy open, fix. You know, bogey. Uh, I would not do bogey. I would not do bogey because I don't think he fits their style of what they want to do. And plus. He's got two years left on that deal, and he'll be 35 by then. And he's a good player, but I just don't think he necessarily fits them. Can still check in on Josh Richardson. That, you know, it's funny because people talk about the Spurs. Jakob Pertl is a very good player. I don't think he fits L.A. Like, if you get Pertl, I almost feel like you got to start him. And I question him and A.D. side by side. But Josh Richardson, Doug McDermott, maybe. There you go. Just got to think of those types of players. I, can I give you the, the crazy one? You, you I, I say, want, you, I say yeah, crazy. Okay. This is the Russ deal that I think part of this got talked about before the season, obviously, but nothing happened, but I would revisit a deal with the Utah jazz. And here's what I would be talking about. I know LA was like, we don't want Mike Conley. And I know Mike is hurt already. I don't think it's going to be for too long, but he's banged up. Uh, and he's not a guy that's shooting you know, great from the field, but he still hits a lot of threes, and he's averaging, what, eight assists a game, something like that? And Utah's dropped five since he's gone down. Correct. Yeah, which shows his real value to the team. Exactly. So he's a setup guy who knocks down open threes. He's just not hitting a lot of twos, okay? And he has another year left in his deal that's, partially guaranteed, right? For like $15 million. Okay. The deal to me would be like, we'll get that money off your books. We know you want to trade Mike to make salaries work. We'll also take Malik Beasley because it sounds like the guys that are untouchable on that team are marketing Sexton Vanderbilt. And I think they want to keep Jordan Clarkson. He's a fan favorite too. Okay, so Malik Beasley, who's shooting the ball well, he has got a team option for next year. 
Makes so a lot of sense. I mean, they've got THT, Colin, yep. like you said. They've got Nikhil Alexander-Walker who needs playing time. It but makes the, a lot of sense at, at the right. way you're just hearing it now. But the deal is not done there. Oh, no. The deal would be for three players. It would be for Conley, Beasley, and Kelly Olynyk. Kelly has another year left on his deal. He okay. would fit perfect with AD for what he does. And he, I wouldn't even think he would start with the Lakers, but they could put him, they could do lineups together with him and Anthony Davis. Because that's he's your so anti big man thing, though. I will say that. But that that's the you thing. might be playing five out at that point. Well, Kelly can he can he'll he'll defend bigs like yeah. to give you know if if you've got Anthony Davis in there, he's worried about banging against the big for too long or whatever. You could put Kelly there, who not the greatest. Oh yeah, defender, on defense for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what I'm saying, but but Olenek, can stretch the four. He's shooting the ball really well this year. AD's been on the block more too. So yeah, that makes sense. So, I mean, to me, that's the deal. And I don't know, I don't think both picks would have to be included that maybe one, but you'd be taking money off the books from them. And that, that to me, that would be the deal. I would look at is Conley, Beasley, Olenek for Russ. And I still have the expiring contracts that if I really want to move of Patrick Beverly, Kendrick Nunn, who together add up to, you know, 18 and a half million. And then if you really wanted, even though I wouldn't trade him, is Lonnie Walker, who makes $6 million. What's the Jazz's motivation to do that is my question. They want a Laker pick. Okay. They want to get money off the books. Okay. Because what's the, what's we, the earliest pick that the Lakers can offer? 27. <laughs> 27 and 29. And by that point, AD and LeBron. So they could be in the gutter at that point. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, now I'm sure Danny's going to sit there and go, ah, you know, I think we need both of those picks. But <laughs> um, but the, to me, the motivation behind that is, you know, Beasley is a guy that's expendable. I think they don't get a second round pick for him right now on the and open it's market. Also, yeah, it's like like I just said earlier too. It's clearing playing time for some of those younger guys. Absolutely, that's another part of it too. So I mean, the the guy that they're going to have trouble moving off of is Conley because of his age, where he's you know how he's playing right now and whatnot. He's already banged up. But to me, I mean, so yeah, next year his. Contract is partially guaranteed for like 14 and a half, 15 million, something like that. Um, fully guaranteed, it's 24 million. So, like, yeah, you got to eat some money there. But going back, I don't care about that cap space, you know, that LA is going to have. Who cares? Um, yeah, it's a team option on, on Malik Beasley for next year. So he's basically an expiring contract. The other one that they would have to take money on is a Linux because. I don't know what the number is, but he's partially guaranteed for next year. He's making almost 13 this year. So I would think that's probably at least 2 million next year. How much he's guaranteed. Okay. Like to me, that, that's a deal. And, and maybe you still have assets after that where you can go get a Cal Kuzma or Josh Richardson or whatever, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's fantasy freaking, you know, you know, spin. The Utah trades. thing sounds Good to me. I, I just don't know if it's enticing enough with the 27 and 29 and also the Lakers giving away their future until 2000, the next decade. Well, that's what I'm saying. I, I, can, you don't do that deal for both of the first. Can you give yeah. for one of them? I don't know. Well, the, here's, here's the existential question though of all of it. If you do that deal, 
How much better does it make you now? Quite. I, I would say quite. I would think so. I mean, it comes down to... And they've been playing with a good spirit. You can't deny that. Their spirit might have been demolished the other night. Okay, um, everyone gives up a large lead. The Cavs have done it three times, four times this season. What do do? That was a crusher, you know, because they they've had um, two games basically lost on buzzer beaters. Well, the yeah. Damian Lillard game over the season sent to overtime in Portland beat LA, um, and then the other night they lost on a buzzer beater three. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, good for the Pacers. That was, that was a hell of a comeback for them, man. Those guys, I mean, they were ecstatic. It was it was incredible. You knew that was going down too as soon oh. as, as soon as they got the offensive rebound. You know, yeah. Turner misses the the first one, but it comes off front rim. I was you like, you know, gets the ball to Halberton. Halberton gets trapped there um, in the middle of the floor, and of course, Tyrese makes a a, a perfect bullet pass yeah. over to the to to Andrew Nemhard just waiting on the left side. Right now, just looking at a deal like that, I mean, that answers a lot of stuff for the Lakers because we're talking about we need a big, we need a wing that can, we need shooters. I mean. There's a lot of that there. They have to eat salary in that deal, though, and that's something that they've been hesitant to do. I don't care about that. Just like I said, this whole thing about like cap space in the offseason, I'm like, you'd have to strip your roster down to basically you have LeBron, AD, Max Christie, and that's about it, you know? So who cares? I mean, you, you, you're going to have to use all that cap space to sign 10 guys. So how about you just get some guys that even if, you know, how much better it makes you this year, you can't tell me you can't get something for Olenek next year. You can't get something maybe for Conley on an expiring next year. Or guess what? If it really doesn't work, you're burning this thing to the ground anyway. Like LeBron's going to be gone and you're probably going to trade Anthony Davis. So to me, it's like it's worth the risk. Yeah. Kind of going down with the ship. Yeah. If you're going to do something, do something. I mean, I'm sick of talking about this nonsense. Everybody is, you know, Hey, Utah, you listen to Max Christie as part of this. You want a, a young player that could be something. I mean, let's take a fire on THT, you know, to see how he's going to be. So like you want fires on young guys. We'll give you our young guy. We'll give you Max. Sure. Well, does, does that, does that sweeten it? We have to give you like one pick, you know, plus we'll give you Max Christie. Okay, or I don't know. I mean, maybe, like I said, that's something that they went for somebody else, like Kuzma. I mean, if you want to really play fantasy trade meister, I mean, you add Kuzma, Beasley, Olenek, and Conley to that team. I think they're a lot better or have the potential to be, but that's... Well, of um, course they are. You know, <laughs> there's a lot going on there. So, I mean, I think a lot of teams could look at that and go, hey, if we could do that. Mind you, like, if Phoenix goes out there and they go get Kyle Kuzma, I mean... They're already really good. I think that he really solidifies, you know, that roster. You know, yeah. um, I think Memphis has got a big deal in them if they really want to do something. And they're already really good. They they just got to get healthy. I mean, they're, you know, they're without Desmond Bain for a few more weeks. You know, he's got that toe injury and toes can linger. Sure. <laughs> you know, so we'll see what's going to happen there. But I mean, you're going to do something, especially in the West, you better do it now. In LA, man, they're, you know, they got a cinder block that's tied to their leg, and it's whether or not they're going to get pushed in the water. That's a really good, wow, that was actually really, really clever. <laughs> I didn't think about it, the way that you just put that. Do you have any more stray thoughts? 
I'll give you one more about LA. Of course it's gotta be about LA. Well, because we talked about this before we started recording. <laughs> it's Darvin Ham as a coach. Because I think okay. I think Darvin is a good leader of men and getting everybody to rally around the mental stuff and everything. I still think he's figuring it out. There's a lot of questions when it comes to actual game plans and whatnot. I will say he's working with a limited roster, but I still think there's something to be desired when it comes to some lineups and uh, some decisions that are out there. Like how many times do you have to go through this? Well, Anthony Davis only got two shots, you know, in the fourth quarter or only shot the ball, you know, a handful of times in the second half. Well, first half, second half, big, big difference. It's like big difference. Hey, coach, call it, call his number. Okay. And if somebody isn't going to give him the ball, then you pull that guy out. You know, um, you've got to come up with a winning game plan. Just to not just roll the ball out there. Things are going well, kind of a thing. Um, I mean, there's, there's, like I said, there's lineups out there that I'm like, Oh my God. When I watch this, like when you see like, what is it? Russ and Kendrick Nunn on the, you know, playing at the same time. I mean, that team is so small. They give up so many points. They they actually did a lineup of Russell Westbrook, Kendrick Nunn, and Dennis Schroeder. And I was just going to have a heart attack watching that thing going. They're going to get lit up. And they did. Um, so there, there's stuff like that they got to watch. Like Austin Reeves having a good season as well. He, is it wrong? I want to see more Thomas Bryant. No, it's absolutely not because it's been hit and miss. He came back. He played two games. The One of them was really good, and then he didn't play. Then he played. He played solid, and then he didn't play again against the Pacers. So, you know, they're I don't know what they're doing with him right now. He doesn't defend well. That's the problem with Thomas. And Wynion Gabriel doesn't necessarily defend well, but he plays with a lot more energy and spunk. So they've been giving him more minutes. Okay. But he's undersized, so... I mean, there's there's a lot of like, eh, let's give it a try, you know, with this roster that's going on there. I mean, <laughs> but I mean, I I'm I want to see some of the guys that have been playing more consistently and are a little bit bigger to get more minutes. Like Kendrick Nunn does not deserve any playing time. He just doesn't. He's a stiff on defense. He's not helping you much on offense. Russ, I think you got to pick your moments with him. He's having a better season than people thought, but. Like Austin Reeves is a guy that deserves more playing time. He's having a really good season. We mentioned Lonnie. I think he's having a really good season. There's times, especially down stretches of games, where I think he deserves more playing time, even if he's not shooting the ball well. Um, yeah, things like that. And then, like, figure out what your rotation is going to be with your bigs. That's why they probably need to get another big because they. I don't think they totally trust, you know, Thomas Bryant in Gabriel's an undersized energy guy. Who every time I see him shoot a three, I'm like, oh my god! But he hits one every now and then, so they let him do it. He doesn't. This do is it a good lot, transition in, into my next stray thought, actually, because I saw Kirk's Gold, Kirk Goldsberry put up a chart. Um, it's points per jump shot. The hmm. uh, NBA average is one point zero two. Who do you think is at the bottom for a team? Yes. Oh, Lakers. It is. It's actually. Barely trailing the Hornets for the worst, but the Lakers at point zero or zero point nine one points per jump shot mm. at a historic rate is the Boston Celtics at one point one eight. 
They're incredible. Shot. Um, there are 19 players that are shooting over 45% from three this season. Only uh, there are there's only one team that has multiple players uh, that are doing that, and they have five of them. So think about that. There there's 19 teams, right? 19 teams that um, are shooting over 45% um, from three. Um, only one team has that many players is five of them and that's the Celtics and it's crazy because can you name the five off the top of my head I'm gonna guess it's Grant Williams yes I'm gonna guess it's Jason Tatum nope oh really okay so Grant Williams will do Al Horford correct okay um ooh this is tough because it's not gonna be Marcus Jalen Brown nope Really? So th- this is makes it even more interesting then. So it okay. So well, we Tatum and Brown with, are shooting under 35% from three. Which makes their campaigns even more incredible. Yeah. Because the, one, they're finding those guys, and two, they've been so efficient in that mid-range area and also getting to the basket, which is allowing these teammates to really pop off. Okay. Um let's think here. Brogdon's got to be one. Yes. Okay. So there's three. All right. So we got Brogdon. We've got Grant Williams. We've got Al Horford. There's going to be some surprise in here. I know it. Um, I'm going to guess Sam Hauser. Yes. All right. The specialist. All right. I don't think Derek White. Am I correct on that? You would be incorrect on that. Derek White is shooting 45.3% from three-point range. Wow. Okay. See, I would have guessed like Luke Cornett. But um, Cornette's forty percent. Blake Griffin's even forty percent. Oh wow! What what losers! But wow! <laughs> I mean, I, as a Laker fan, how does it feel looking at this this chart here? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There's a segue. But nah, seriously, it's JT incredible, man. By the way, Jaylen, I, apo- I apologize for all the Laker talk and the long winded nature because I know some people are like, "Dear God, shut up about the Lakers." <laughs> <laughs> JT and Jalen Brown, though, man. I mean. What more can you say about him? You know, Tatum sits out on on Sunday. Jalen Brown goes off. Okay. Uh, Brown sits out on Monday. Jason Tatum goes off. Uh, It doesn't matter whether there's one on the floor, whether there's both on the floor. They just have this synergy that's gone on with their team. Whether they're on the floor with each other, whether they're on the floor with Marcus Smart and Al Horford, whether they're on the floor with Grant Williams and Derek White, whether they're on the floor with Malcolm Brogdon, whoever it may be, this offense is on a damn tear right now. And their defense ain't that damn bad either. They're incredible to watch. They're so efficient. And this will go to the whole argument, too, of not only having talented players, but chemistry. Guys that have been together for a while, they know each other, they understand each other, they uh, play to each other's strengths. They're just and shout so, out to Joe Mazzula, yes, too, by the way. He's My done God. a great job, but they, they're just so efficient and understand each other so well and know, hey, like you said, so and so's missing. Here's how we're going to, you know, make up for that. And um, they've been incredible. I mean, 17 and four. We, I mean, I feel dumb for discounting them at the beginning of the season because of the the off the court drama and because of missing uh, Robert Williams. Boston for, and Phoenix at the very top of the league—it's hysterical, isn't it? Yes, I mean because I <laughs> I really thought that Boston was going to be hurt by missing him and with the drama, 
and kind of, you know, with everything going on there. And instead, all they've done is gone out there and proved we're the best team in the league right now. And I mean, putting, I mean, putting up these historic offensive numbers, they tighten the screws on defense when they need to. Um, and they're, they're incredible. They, they are absolutely incredible right now. And I don't see it stopping. I mean, I, I, they're probably going to add something else as well and get Robert Williams back. Sure. And, and, and I mean, Robert Williams comes back and that gives them a lob threat. That gives them someone who's going to rebound the hell out of the basketball. They could put Al Horford in bubble wrap until the playoffs. (laughs) Old man, Al just gets better with age, you know, but I think, didn't they say that Robert Williams has some sort of um, comeback trail on the way here? I think I saw that. I think Keith Smith put something about that up. Um, and that's just that's Christmas come early. If that's the if that's the case, you know, Rob Williams is um, apparently he took part in a scrimmage. Yeah, participating in scrimmages. Uh, Daniel Garnelli, uh, Gallinari uh, doing some stationary shooting, um, which means that you know they, he's at least on the court doing something. Like they've they've got a whole lot to be excited about. I don't think this is going to be a case of last year where something's going to happen in in reverse. Now. I do think there will be some shooting regression at some point in the season. There's no way you keep up this ridiculous shooting the whole entire year. But maybe that gets docked down from 45% to 40% or 45% to 38%, whatever it may be. But their defense holds up on the other end, and they have two all-stars that can just go to work as scorers, shooters, and playmakers. So and, and one of those there's two not guys, really a whole lot of room to drop off. Right. And one of those two guys... And Jason Tatum might be the MVP, or he's definitely oh, in the yeah, running for it. Yeah, yeah. I it'd be hard not to give him that one. Um, I think that Nicole Jokic absolutely has a chance to 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 win it, even you know, with the voters fatigue or whatever. Um, Giannis, the way that that he's been able to just God, it's just so he is just a force. Like I it, it you run out of words sometimes just to see like his sheer power and how he can take two dribbles from half court to get to the bucket. Like we talk about the same things over and over on these basketball podcasts, but it doesn't get any less impressive. Like it's just, you know, like something crazy to watch, but that's a straight thought too, but well, those would be the two guys right now. I think at the top, you know, when it comes to, and like I said, we're only a quarter away through the season, but you talk about Giannis and Tatum, They'd be there for MVP. Doncic would be there. Yeah, poor um, Luca. Uh, John Morant. Oh, Jaw's got to be in the conversation. Jaw's always in the conversation. He's. I love the way that uh, people talk about. Um, you know, like the the AI comparisons with him. I mm-hmm. think, and I hate player comps, but pretty damn, you know. But he shoots it a little bit better than AI, AI like. Derrick Rose type. You know, like. That that's that fits for me. And the fifth, I think, would be Devin Booker. I I well, well Steph Curry's got to be there too. And you know the Warriors have been playing better. Steph is having one of the best statistical seasons of his career. That's crazy. And he's thirty four. He's putting up thirty one points a game and seven assists. Yep. Hey, at least Clay's gotten back onto the high horse. You know, like he's been playing better. I know he didn't have a great game in Dallas the other night, but. That's the he's, one. He had an open look. Better. He had a good look to win that game. 
Yeah, that was yeah. that's the first. I mean, he had a good week, and then he had that bad game. But it looks like he's kind of stepped it up a little bit here. Yep. Another stray thought. Uh, we can stop with the stray thoughts after this if you want. <laughs> I have a lot of stray thoughts because we didn't record for two weeks. But um, Pascal Siakam came back on Monday night. Watched that game in full because the Cavs were playing him. My God, did he look good. And it's not about him getting to the rim and it's not about him like making these ridiculous threes or, you know, his playmaking is great. It's for me, it's him getting to that in-between area, that 16 to 18 foot range, being able to back a guy down and, and fade and make a shot over him or face up mid-ranger. Um, he was making a lot of contested mid-range shots. And um, you add that element back into this Toronto team which, by the way, has been a squad that has been hurting all year, yet they find themselves in the middle of the pack at 11-9. and nine, You know, and they're just trucking along. They're trucking along. That defense, man, uh, it might be the most pressuring defense that any team employs. Like, there could be a number one defense in the league, and right now that is Philadelphia, which I get to see. Uh, this evening, as we record this on a Wednesday afternoon, they're in town in Cleveland. Uh, talk to DeAnthony Melton about that. So make sure you check that out on basketballnews.com whenever it comes out. But the Toronto defense, for me, the way they crowd guys and the way that you, that OGN and Nobi can take your best player out, just simply take him out of the game. They are a swarming type of defense that doesn't allow you to get in the paint. Beside, beside the fact that they don't really even have that great of a rim protector, their perimeter defense takes care of it. And boy, does it make it difficult on the, on the offense that they're playing. They, they are so, so, I wouldn't say calculated. They're just aggressive. They're the aggressors on the defensive end, which in turn, allows them to beat their opponent on the other end of the floor and get easier buckets. Or if you get into the half court offense, beat them before the defense gets set. We've been waiting for him to come back and yeah, Toronto's another team that's played well, kind of hanging around there in the middle of the pack a little bit, but that's a huge boost to get Pascal back because this is a guy that you look at the end of the season last year, really turned it on, put up some big, big numbers. And, you know, he's just talking a big game before the season, talking about, I want to be one of the best five players in the league. And he's capable of putting up huge numbers. And that's kind of what they need right now. Yep, 100%. Any straight thoughts before we get on out of here? The only other one that I would mention is before the season, I had questions about both the Knicks and the Heat. I think you did two more with the Knicks than the Heat. Correct. The Heat have won three in a row, but both of those teams are 10 and 11. Mm -hmm. And I remember before the season, I kind of had the Heat a little bit higher, and I said, no, 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 no. I need, to, I need to drop them back, and I did. Both of those teams just look a little bit lost, out of step, slow, I don't know. One of those teams is not making the playoffs. Well, the Knicks just need better better play out of uh, R.J. Barrett, in my opinion. He's had um, a very I, slow start to the season. Yeah, and I think that that's going to correct itself. R.J.'s way too talented. Um, he's not somebody who bricks shots. Um, he's not someone who turns it over. 
I, RJ is a very talented player, and he's going to find it. I, 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 there's no doubt in my mind that he finds it. The funny thing is that like the Heat of the team that I, I look at going, yeah, they still you know obviously have some parts here, but it's just not enough. And I don't know how much better they're going to be, but they're not a team that's gonna. The other team is going to tank, but I don't think they would do a radical change unless it would help them right now. The Knicks are the team that could be looking at themselves in the mirror going, all right, we're not tanking, but let's make a move that does not help us for now, but could help us in the future. Fair. Especially when it comes to a draft pick. And I, by the way, Jalen Brunson's been playing out of his mind the last few games. So, um, you know, it's not him. And Julius Randle just came off of, you know, one of his better games of the season, albeit against a very, very porous Detroit squad. But at the same time, you know. Here, l- let me just have you do an exercise real quick before you get out of here. Okay. Are you on basketballreference.com? I can go there. Uh, why don't you pull it up? All right. Did you pull it up? It is there. Okay. Do me a favor. Do you see where it says 2022-23 NBA standings? Okay, yes. I've got it. Okay. Got it. Why am I? I'm looking all over the place. It's right there. Okay. Go ahead and click on MIA. All righty, we'll click on MIA. Okay, you should be at the Miami Heat roster and stats page, correct? Yes, I am. Okay, go ahead and scroll down past the roster and then um, look at the second part of that. The injury report? That? Yeah, do you see that? Do you, what, it's a little extensive. Yeah, look at that real quick. <laughs> um, it's basically this the entire team. This is why I do not worry about the Miami Heat. Mm. Go ahead and just name all of that. It's been like this the whole season. How much time Again. do we have left on the podcast? Okay. <laughs> um, Jimmy Butler, Jamal Kane, Dwayne Dedman, Tyler Hero, Haywood Highsmith, Nikola Jovic, uh, Caleb Martin, Victor Oladipo, Duncan Robinson, Omer Yudson. Yes. Okay. So that is what? Approximately 10, 10 names on the injury report. And now, these aren't crazy injuries. Mind you, these are not crazy injuries, but they do have knickknack injuries all the damn time. Except for Oladipo, who is not coming back anytime soon. I think his season might already be over. Which sucks. But yes, um, my point being, this is what happens to the Miami Heat every time in the first half of the season. So I have very little doubt that they will not be in the mix of the playoffs. That was the only exercise I wanted you to do, though. I I I just wanted you to see, (laughs) I think, a visual lesson in seeing an injury report with 10 guys on it. That's crazy. Might might be a uh, a little bit of a lesson there. It, I think. it could be a concern. It, it, <laughs> Just a teeny bit. But teeny that bit. being said, maybe maybe we should talk about praising uh, Eric Spolster again for his uh, excellent coaching. Yeah. Considering this is a team that's 10 and 11. 100%. I still don't have faith in the Miami Heat. <laughs> I don't. I'm sticking to my guns. Stick to your guns, man. And uh, shout out to Kyle Lowry who's battling through it all. Age 36, playing 36 minutes. He's night. starting to look like YMCA guy. Well, <laughs> at some point it's going to fall. You know, the, the body's going to fall apart at some point. He's never exactly somebody that's embraced the fitness part of the game for the last, you know, seven or eight years. Like he'll have, he'll, he'll suck it up and get in really good shape mm. for a year or something. They're like, all right, I'm getting paid. And then, you know, it's just like, ah, oh, man. That extra slice of pizza looks pretty good. I love Kyle, though. 
I love I do. Kyle. I mean, I can't, but I mean, I'm not one to talk about that stuff. I mean, but uh, it, it's hard. It's hard. Bam's playing a hell of a year too. But okay, uh, we are getting a little off track, so I think that's a good time to pull out here. This was keeping it 94 again, part of the BasketballNews.com podcast network. Got other great ones for you to listen to and to subscribe, rate, and review to. That rhymed. We are on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you listen to podcasts. And again, on BasketballNews.com. We have the Dunker Spot with Nikaias Duncan and Steve Jones Jr. The Alex Kennedy Podcast with Alex Kennedy. The Rematch with Aton Thomas. Dishes and Dimes with the Ladies. Clips and Drew. The follow-through. And of course, the Rex Chapman Show with Josh Hopkins. Just had a great guest on earlier, and it was one of my favorite players growing up. It was Larry Johnson. Big LJ, man. UNLV legend and uh, Charlotte Hornets legend to me, not Knicks legend. But uh, yeah, so make sure you subscribe, rate, review to those podcasts. Do the same for us, please. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Spin Davies. He's at Brian Fritz. I am on Instagram at Spin Davies. He is on Instagram at It's Brian Fritz. Once again, please be on the lookout. Got an interview with DeAnthony Melton coming up and should be on the site probably by the weekend. And uh, hopefully you enjoy that as the uh, Sixers, again, employ the number one defense in the entire league to this point um, heading into December. So that's really impressive, especially that they haven't had James Harden and Tyrese Maxey. Joel Embiid's been out here and there. They've done a great job of coming together as a team. So um, we talked about that and just his instincts as a player. I I think uh, you'll really enjoy it. And uh, as an extra plug, Uh, In case you missed it over the holidays, did an interview with A.J. Griffin of the Hawks, big-time rookie there, Nick Richards, who's somebody flying on the radar for the Charlotte Hornets, and Jamal Cain, uh, those Heat that we just talked about, who's been getting an opportunity because of all those injuries. So please check those out. Give me some feedback, and I hope you really enjoy those stories. Read everybody else's stories on our website. We also have our latest NBA draft big board, courtesy of Matt Babcock, our draft analyst, that is uh, of 11-28-22, so uh, very, very recent that he put that up. Other great podcasts, like I said, subscribe, uh, rate, and review, and uh, check out everybody else's stories and great content on basketballteams.com. And download our app. That's the last thing. So next time we talk to you uh, again, it will be December. So everybody stay warm, bundle up, and have a good one. Mm-hmm.